the following message entitled, So That You May Marvel, part 10 of the series, I Am, the Book of John, was given by Mark Altrogi on January 1st, 2012 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, we are in the book of John, and we're in John chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 16 in a minute. But I, probably like, like you, I marvel at the talent God gives different people. And I, see, I see people who are just incredibly talented at things. And I just, it, to me, it's just, it causes me to be amazed. And, and I, I just say, how do they do that? Last night I happened to see that one of my, one of my favorite non-Christian bands actually was going to be on the show, Austin City Limits, to bring in the new year. That band, some of you might know, is Coldplay. And I discovered them in the United States and made them popular here. Um, but they're one of my favorite bands because I, I, I just like their songwriting. I, I don't know how they come up. To me, their, their melodies are incredibly amazing. I, I said to Christy, how do they do it? How, how does Chris Martin write those melodies? That, that's incredible to me. I just marvel at their creativity. Um, and at the end of each song, of course, as a concert, the crowd would honor them with applause and cheering. And we, we marvel at, at talent. We, we, we honor athletes for great performances. We, we marvel at gifted people, like people like Steve Jobs. We just wonder, where do they get that gift? We, well, we know that it's from God, but it, it just causes us to marvel when we see people who are really talented and gifted at things. And much of the time in our world, and it's appropriate, we, we honor people who are, are gifted and talented. And we give them applause and, and honor them in various ways. Well, this morning's passage talks about marveling and honoring someone greater than anyone in this world. And obviously you know that's going to be Jesus but let's look at verse 16. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because He was doing these things on the Sabbath. Last time Joe spoke, he spoke on Jesus healing a man in the pool of Bethesda. Or Bethsaida, was that it? Yes. He healed this guy on the Sabbath, a man who had been a cripple for 38 years, Jesus says, take up your pallet and walk. And for this reason it says that the Jews were persecuting Jesus because He was doing these things on the Sabbath. It's actually, as I look up, I see it's Bethesda. So the Jews were persecuting Jesus. And Jesus in verse 17 answered them, my Father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him, because not only was He breaking the Sabbath, according to their rules for the Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son. See, we see those words, marvel and honor. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Jesus. We want to marvel at Jesus and honor Him more than we would marvel at anyone in this world, Lord. More than we would honor anyone in this world. We want to marvel at Jesus and honor Him. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, Speak to us through Your Word. Help me please. Help me please to, to build up this wonderful church in their faith in You, Lord. We all need our faith built up, Lord. Even my faith, let it be built up as I preach. We just thank You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. It is critical. It is critical that we understand and believe that Jesus is God. That Jesus is equal to God. He is equal with the Father. Why is this important? Why is it critical that we understand and believe that Jesus is equal with God? There, there, are, many, there are many people who believe that Jesus is great, but they don't believe He's God. They don't believe He is equal with the Father. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is a God. He is the first created God, but He is not equal with the Father. Same with the Mormons. They don't believe that Jesus is equal with the Father. The Muslims believe Jesus was a great prophet, but not equal with God the Father. Why is it important? This passage is here to tell us that Jesus is equal with the Father. It is important. And if it's, it's important. And, and this passage says that one of the reasons why it is important is because our whole eternity 
depends on what we believe about Jesus. If we fail to honor Jesus as we honor the Father, we will spend eternity in eternal destruction. We have to get this right. If Jesus is not God, if Jesus is a secondary kind of God, if Jesus is a man who was a great prophet but not God, then everything He said is worthless. There, there is no salvation then. If Jesus is not God, there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins. We have no hope of heaven. And this world is all there is. We have no hope to have our sins washed away. We have no hope of changing. We have no hope of becoming like Jesus, which the Bible says every born-again person is born again and becomes increasingly like Jesus, born again spiritually, joined to Jesus, and becomes increasingly like Jesus. If Jesus is not God, if He's just a man or some secondary God, then we have no hope. This life is all there is. You might as well go out, eat, drink, and be merry. Make the best of this life, or this is the best it's going to get for you. I am so glad that we know, most of us in here hopefully know, that this life is not the best there is. But God wants us to be sure of this and certain of this. Now the background for this passage that we just read was Jesus healed a man who had been um, an invalid for 38 years. He did it on the Sabbath and He told this man on the Sabbath to pick up his pallet and walk. Now as Joe talked last time about the passage before this, he told us that the Jews had created 39 or so extra rules, interpretations of what was work. And to pick up something and carry it for a distance, like to pick up this pallet this man had been laying on, that was considered work and it was not allowed on the Sabbath. So the, the Jews were just angry. And so Jesus answered them and He said, My Father is working until now. Now, the rabbis at the t in that day taught that on the seventh day of creation, God created for six days, and then on the seventh day, the Bible says He rested. But that doesn't mean that God quit working. It meant He rested from His work of creation. But they all knew that God continued to uphold the universe. God continued to uphold every human being's life. God keeps everyone's heart beating. God holds the constellations and the galaxies in place. God is working. And that's why Jesus said, My Father is working until now. And the Jews would have been fine if He would have stopped there. The problem is, He went on. Jesus said, My Father is working until now. And I am working. That's why I can work on the Sabbath because I'm equal to my Father. And they knew that. They, they knew that. And that's why it says in verse 18, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him because not only was He breaking the Sabbath, He was even calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. 
They wanted to kill him because the punishment for blasphemy was death. He was making himself equal. He was saying, I am equal to God. And they knew that. So, don't let anybody tell you what the, well, the Bible doesn't really say Jesus is God. The people of Jesus' own day, the religious leaders, knew Jesus was saying, I am equal to God. I am God Himself. And they, they said, you're blaspheming by saying that. And the punishment for blasphemy is death. And we'll see this later on in the book of John when Jesus says, I am. And He uses the very name that God spoke to Moses from the burning bush with. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone Him because they knew Jesus was saying, I'm, I'm God. I am, I am one and the same. I am equal with God the Father. And so then, in a sense, Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so, in a sense, He, he defends Himself. And He says, here's how He defends Himself in a way. Not that Jesus needed to defend Himself. Jesus doesn't need to defend Himself. But because, because He so cares about people, because He so cared even for His accusers, He wants them to understand who He is. And He wanted us to understand who He is. And it's recorded in Scripture. And so, first thing He says... To, to show that He's equal to God, is that I act just like the Father. And so in verse 19, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Now when Jesus says, truly, truly, He means listen close. This is the truth. I do everything the Father does. I do exactly everything the Father does. I do nothing of my own accord. I do only what I see the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And that calling Himself the Son speaks of this intimate relationship He had with the Father. He says, I'm in perfect accord with the Father. Now He says, only the Son, He, he, he does only what He sees the Father doing. Now think about this. Only Jesus could see in all the events of history, in everything that was happening in his own life, in every, every situation he was in, he could see what the Father was up to. He could see what the Father was doing. He knew exactly what the Father was doing. He could see what the Father was doing. We can't do that. The circumstances that happen in our lives, we know if you're a believer, and if, you, if you've read the Bible, if if you've, if you've done that, then the circumstances in our lives, we don't know what the Father is doing, but we can always know that God's doing something good for us. God causes all things to work together for good. But Jesus knew in every situation exactly what the Father was doing. And He says, I'm going to do exactly what my Father is doing. See, no prophet, no Old Testament prophet, no one who had ever come before could have ever made the claim, I know exactly what God is doing in each and every situation. No, in the Old Testament, it says the Word of the Lord came to Isaiah and God revealed what He was doing to Isaiah in a specific situation. But Isaiah on his own couldn't look at all that was going on in history and say, oh, I know what the Father's doing. But Jesus says that. He says, that's, that's, that's why I'm equal with God. 
I do exactly what the Father does. He says, whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise, perfectly, precisely. In other words, I perfectly, I'm showing you the Father. I am perfectly revealing the Father. Now, some of us could reveal things about our fathers. If you, if you hang around me, you would probably get to know some things about my father because I, I would have maybe some of the same traits. I find myself and my children accuse me of becoming more and more like my father every day. <laughs> my dad tells stories, as, as you know, and I find myself telling stories and I'm becoming more insecure about that. I'm saying, have I told you this before? <laughs> because my dad has many stories and he... He tells them often, and uh, we we love those stories. And uh, but I, I, you know, if you hang around me, you'll you'll see some things. You would learn some things about my dad. I would have some traits that are similar. But but I can't perfectly reveal my father. I can't. You wouldn't know my dad precisely by looking at me. But this is what Jesus is saying. He says, I perfectly reveal my father whatever my father does i do if if you want to know if you want to know what god is like if you if you if someone comes up to you and say what is god like no one can know what god is like it's impossible to know what god is like we can say yes we can open up matthew mark luke and john Read about Jesus. Jesus perfectly revealed what the Father is like. Jesus revealed the compassion of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the tenderness of God, the desire of God to save. Jesus revealed so much about God, the holiness of God, in obeying His Father perfectly. And Jesus says, the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. He says, the Father loves the Son. All eternity, Jesus and the Father had enjoyed one another's love. And Jesus is saying to all these people around, the Father loves me and He shows me all that He is doing. Now when I was a kid, my dad would tell us some things about what He was doing. My dad would say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to Indiana, Pennsylvania from Tulsa, Oklahoma. What? We're going to move to a, a town that has to steal a name from a state? Is it even on a map? That was my reaction. My, my, dad, my dad revealed some of the things, but I didn't find out until many years later what all went into that decision that my dad and mom made to move from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Indiana, Pennsylvania. My dad would show me some of the things he was doing, but he, he wouldn't show me everything. Well, Jesus says, my Father shows me everything. I know everything the Father is thinking. He shows me everything in His heart. And He says, I'm also like the Father in that I have the power to give life. And so in verse 21, Jesus says, as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Jesus says the Father raises the dead and gives them life. Physical life, 
spiritual life. And Jesus says, I do the same thing. He says, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Now, no one in the Old Testament, no Old Testament prophet ever said, I can give life to whoever I want. There were, there were times where like Elijah raised a couple people from the dead, but that was at God's direction and that was praying to God. It was not Elijah himself of his own will imparting life. And Jesus is making this audacious, incredible claim that I can give spiritual life to anyone I want. Jesus says, I can cause someone to be born again if I so desire. I am the one. I freely give life to whoever I want just as the Father does. What is, what is this life? It's, it's a relationship with God. It's knowing God. It's having God dwelling in you. It's, it's enjoying the Father and knowing His love. It's knowing the power of God. And it's, it's a life that will go on for eternity of ever-increasing knowledge of God, ever-increasing joy. And Jesus has the power to give that. And if any of you have not asked Jesus for that life, He longs to give it to you. He's waiting to give it to you. If you would turn to Jesus, if you would repent of your sins, if you would say, Lord, I, I want to turn away from my sins, Jesus... I want You to be my King. I want You to be my Lord. Please, I'm looking to You. I'm turning to You. He will give you life. He will give you life like you can't even imagine. It's life that is real. It's the life of God. It's, it's better than physical life. It's a life that He gave me many years ago. And I can tell you, it's real. It's, it's, not, it's not imaginary. It's, it's, it's spiritual. It's eternal life. And we can enter that life in this life. And we enter it through Jesus. This is why it's so important. You can't just say, oh, I believe in God. There's no life apart from Jesus. Lots of people today talk about spirituality. Spirituality is a, is a big buzzword. You, you'll hear celebrities talking about their spirituality. Oprah Winfrey, very spiritual person. Apart from Jesus though, there is no life. You can be as spiritual as you want. You can, you can light candles, you can chant, you can sit in certain positions, you can make pilgrimages. There is no life apart from Jesus. If you, if, if, if you just say, well, I, I believe in God, there's no life if you don't believe in Jesus. All of the spiritual feelings in the world mean nothing apart from Jesus. Yesterday, I was in, Christy and I were visiting some friends in Maryland, and we went into a Starbucks, and I, I heard a young woman there talking to a young man, and she said, I meditate several times a week. And I, 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 I feel if I give out good vibes, she didn't use the word vibes. She said, if I give out good, then good will come back to me. And she was describing being religious and being spiritual. And oh, I just so wanted to go up to them. It just would not have been appropriate. 
I so wanted to go up to him and say, there is no life at all in what you're talking about. There's only life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what kind of good you think you're giving out. Because Jesus said, I have life in Myself. And then Jesus makes this other audacious claim. He says, and the Father has given the Son authority for judgment. He says, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Now ultimately, deep down, I believe most people know because God, I believe, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of judgment. I think most people know that someday they're going to have to stand before God. Maybe they deny it. Maybe they say, I don't believe it. But the Bible says, every one of us will stand before God. And God the Father has given all judgment to Jesus. Now, if, if we turn to Jesus Christ in this life, on that day when we stand before Jesus, we will not fear judgment. We, there will be no judgment as far as heaven or hell for believers because Jesus Himself bore that judgment on the cross. But for those who have not turned to Jesus Christ, they will stand before Him for judgment. And that will be a fearful day. And this, is a, this is an interesting passage because He says, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And what this is saying is that, that the persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are all equally God, but they all have different roles to play. So there is one God who exists in three persons. The Father is not the same person as the Son. They're different persons. And yet the Bible says there's one God. And yet in that one God, the three persons have different roles to play. And so the Father, one of the roles of the Father has given judgment to the Son. Why has God done this? Well, one of the reasons is that we would marvel and that we would honor Him. And so, how do we respond to Jesus? How do we respond to what, what we have seen of Him being equal to the Father? Well, first of all, we should marvel. It says in verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing, and greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. Jesus is saying to His accusers, I healed, I healed a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. The Father's given me many more works to do so that you will marvel, so that hopefully as you marvel, you will honor the Son and you will come to receive the Son and be saved. God wants us to marvel at Jesus. It's not, it's not the final ending point, but it's, it's a place where we begin. And so Jesus says, the Father shows me all He's doing so that you'll marvel. He's going to show me greater works. I'm going to calm storms. I'm going to cast out demons. And I'm going to raise the dead. And I myself will rise from the dead so that you may marvel. Oh, if, if, 
if people, if, if we could get our friends and neighbors and coworkers, if we could get them to read about Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with an open mind, and just say, look at who this is, and marvel. There's no one else ever been like Jesus. No one. You know, I, I marvel at lots of things in a lower case marvel. Like I said, I marvel at talented musicians. I, I, I am not a geek, but I do love some kinds of technology. And when I first got a Garmin, when I first got a Garmin, I have gotten lost so many times in my life. I have been lost so many times driving around saying, oh, I'm lost again. When I got a Garmin, it was a miracle, really. It was like a miracle to me. I, I don't know how many times I've said to Christy on trips, Christy, this thing is a miracle. <laughs> I got through Washington, D.C. without being lost. That is a miracle. And I marvel at it. I, I have a phone that has voice-to-text capability. I can say something in my phone and it writes it down. That's a miracle. I say, buy bread and milk. And it says, buy bread and milk. Christy, a miracle just happened. (laughs) Well, I was thinking as I studied this, how much time do we all take to marvel at Jesus? We should marvel at Jesus. We, we should spend time in His Word. Should spend, I want to encourage you at the beginning of this new year, if there's one thing you want to do, if there's one resolution to make of all, is try to say, Lord, I, I want to have regular times in the Bible. I want to try to become more regular at reading the Bible and, and just spending time with the Lord and praying. When we read the Bible and we read what it says about Jesus, it will make us marvel. It should make us marvel that the One who created the whole universe, the One who sustains the universe with a Word, the One who says, go to the angels and they go, the One who who is infinite in glory and beauty and majesty and splendor. We should marvel that Jesus would hide His glory, would not cling to His rights as God, but would humble Himself and step down into our darkness and become a human being to save us. We should marvel that Jesus, who had committed not one single sin in His entire life, who was the only one who had perfectly obeyed God, the only human being who ever lived who perfectly obeyed God for his entire life, would be willing to take millions of sins upon himself to redeem us who were worthless. My whole life up until the time Jesus saved me had been one spitting in God's face. One, one whole life of saying, no thanks God, don't need you to help me out. I can run my own life just fine. I should, he should have squashed me like a bug. Instead, He rescued me. We, sh- we have so much we can marvel at Jesus. Marvel. And this is where we 
see Him. This is where we read about Him. This is how we marvel by reading His Word. But it, we have to go beyond marveling. There's lots of people who would say, yeah, I, I, I would be amazed. I'm amazed that Jesus could speak to a storm and calm the sea. But Jesus says, no, we have to honor the Son. And so in verse 22, He says, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Can't be any more clear there. There are not many ways to God. Jesus said, I am the way. If someone says, well, I, I believe in God, but I just am not going to follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you do not honor Me, you do not honor the Father. There is no honoring of the Father apart from honoring of Jesus. There is no worshiping. You can't present worship to the Father except through Jesus. There is no relationship with God except through Jesus. And so the Bible calls us not only to marvel at Jesus, but to honor Him. And that's one reason I just I love coming together on Sundays. I love getting together with the saints in care group. I, I love it because we're, we're lifting up honor to Jesus with our lips and our hands and our voices and our lives. We're singing to Jesus. We're honoring Him. And, and, and that is so fitting. And that is so right. And that is what we were created to do, isn't it? There's nothing that is more suitable and perfect and right for someone who has, has been rescued from their sins by Jesus than to honor the Son. So, every day of our lives, and this is, this is not a specific resolution for New Year's, but I know this is ringing true in every believer's heart, is this year with our lives, we want to honor Jesus. I want to honor Jesus in the workplace. I want to honor Jesus in school. I want to honor Jesus in, in classroom. I want to honor Jesus when something happens in, in the workroom at, at work and people are slandering someone else in, on the job site. I, I want to honor Jesus in that situation if I can. And, and say, maybe, you know, maybe we should give this person a, a chance to defend themselves and not talk behind their back about them. I want to honor Jesus by the way I, I give myself to, to my job. I want to honor Jesus in my neighborhood. I want to honor Jesus with the way I relate to my neighbors. That, that's, that's our heart, isn't it? And that's what Paul prayed for believers. He said, I pray that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. See, that, that is one of the differences of who is a Christian and who is not a Christian. A non-Christian may believe in Jesus. A non-Christian may marvel at Jesus. But someone who has been born again, their heart's desire and passion is to honor Jesus with their life. If that's your desire, that's great. And, and all of us would say, Oh, I want to honor Jesus. I just so fail at it. I'm miserable at honoring Jesus, but I want to. That's pleasing to God. And He died and paid for all those failures to honor Jesus. And He takes our feeble efforts at honoring Him 
He takes our feeble praise on Sunday mornings, our distracted praise, our, our, we're, we're singing songs and then we're thinking, I wonder how the Steelers are going to do today. Ah, what am I doing? I should be praising God. Oh, Father, forgive me for my miserable worship. Well, Jesus knows that we want to worship Him, but that we're weak and distracted. And He takes, he takes our pathetic, feeble efforts to serve others. He takes our pathetic efforts to worship and He washes those with His blood and He presents them to His Father as perfect. He receives our feeble efforts to honor Him with gladness. So, that's my, that's my desire for the new year. I want to honor Jesus. I want our church to honor Jesus. I want, I, I, I want people to think of what a great Savior we have when they know people from our church. And then the final, the final thing is why this is so important is because we, we need to not only marvel, not only honor, but believe in Jesus. And so in verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What is so, what is so incredible about this? It does, Jesus doesn't say, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me will have eternal life after he dies. He says, whoever, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life now. Now, you can have eternal life in this life. You begin to experience it now, and then just it's going to be in, just incredible when we, when we, go to heaven and, and continue to see experience eternal life in its fullness, but we begin to experience it right now. If you believe in Jesus, if you, if you marvel at Him, if you want to honor Him, if you believe in Him, which means put all your trust and all your hope in Him, if you hear His words and you believe in the Father who sent Jesus, you will not come into judgment, but you have passed, but has passed from death to life. We pass from death to life now. And so there are people walking around all over the place that have passed from death to life. There are people walking around all over the place who have eternal life in them. Living in this world with other people who have not yet passed from death to life. They are living in death under God's judgment, under the wrath of God. And if you have not turned to Jesus, you can experience eternal life now in this lifetime. You don't have to wait until you die. You don't have to wonder, like, like if I die, I don't know if I'll go to heaven. You can know you are going to heaven in this life. And it's not being arrogant. It's not because you think you're good or so great or anything. It's because Jesus Christ paid for our sins and He offers us eternal life and it begins now, the moment you turn to Him. So if you have not yet turned to Jesus... If you have not yet said, Jesus, come into my life and rule me as my King and my God, I'm, I'm turning to you. Help me. I want to turn from my sins. 
Help me turn away from my sins. I want to repent of my sins and turn to You. If you pray that to Jesus, He will come into you and give you eternal life and you will not come into judgment. So let's, let's have the band come up. Let's stand. And I just want to just sing a song to the Lord Jesus. I want to marvel at Him together. I want to, I want to honor Him with our song. And, then, and we'll close after that. But let's pray. Jesus, most of us here at the beginning of this message, we believe You are God. We believe You are equal with the Father. But Lord Jesus, would, would You please, in our hearts, would You cause us to marvel at You more? And Jesus, would You please help us with our lives, with our mouths, with our songs, would You help us to honor You more? And Lord, would You strengthen our faith that we all might believe in You more. And Lord, for, for those here who have not yet believed in You in this way, would You please help them? Would You pour out Your grace upon them and help them even now, Lord, to, to put their hope and trust in You. And we thank You, Lord, for who You are, Jesus. We pray in Your name. Amen.